Greetings in the name of Jesus, and I invite your attention to Philippians chapter 4. Please turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. So I got a letter, I should say it like this, I read a letter this week, it was written by a man who I would say gave his life for the well-being of the church. And he was quite burdened about two individuals. They were disputing and it was having an effect on the church that he labored so hard for. He begged them, in the letter that I read, he just begged them to change their way of thinking. He pled with the church to help them. The man that wrote the letter was in prison, and he was facing death any day. And since he wrote the letter, he was beheaded. And the theme of the letter, would you believe, is rejoice. Don't worry. Pray and experience God's peace. Well, maybe you're reading between the lines. I read the book of Philippians, and the man that wrote the letter is, is Paul. So the title of the message this morning is The Secure Mind Overcomes Worry. Now, I do realize it's the uh, first year, the first message for 2020. It's kind of exciting. Another year already was, was mentioned, and I debated taking another break. I know I took a, a few breaks from our, our study through Philippians, and would, it would be very appropriate to have a message, something along the lines of a commitment or resolutions or a 2020 vision. There's people capitalizing on that. You heard that one already, right? Finally, the people that uh, have, uh, have uh, problems with their eyes can finally see 2020, but it would be a, 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 good, a good time to talk about a vision and so forth. But we're ready for chapter four, and I can't think of a more appropriate theme to launch into a new year with the, other than the theme of rejoice, don't worry, pray, and experience peace. That's kind of the theme of the, of the message this morning. So we're at Philippians chapter 4. I think I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. I don't, uh, I, I contemplated, tried to finish the chapter like we did in chapter 3, but I decided to break it down into two messages. It breaks nicely at verse 9. Uh, we've, the last message is going to follow the theme of, of contentment. So join me as I read the text. Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, 
with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful, or anxious, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So what I'd like to do is I would like to just remind, remind us, this is just a, a few minutes on review. It's been a while since we were in Philippians. So you, do you remember that the theme is joy and rejoice? You're going to find that to the tune of 16 times. You're going to find the theme of mind under, under mind or think or know and remember 20 times. You're going to see, the, see, the, see Christ or Jesus or Jesus Christ 37 times. So I made a conclusion. If you're going to read the, the book of Philippians, we're going to realize that the joy of the Lord is a theme and it is a result of keeping your mind on Christ. So the outline and overview of Philippians, chapter 1 was the single mind, chapter 2 was a submissive mind, chapter 3 was the spiritual mind, chapter 4 is going to be the secure mind. Take one of those away and you are going to struggle with joy. Joy comes from having a single mind. Another way to look at the over outline and overview is chapter 1, the single mind, is going to overcome circumstances. Paul's in prison, and it didn't seem to matter. We all have our chains. We all have our prison. The single mind, which is for me to live, is Christ, and to die is gain. It don't matter. That will overcome circumstances, and you'll be a joyful person. In chapter 2, the submissive mind, we saw that it deals with relationships and people. And if there's, if there's a joy killer... If there's a, if there is a, uh, I should say, yeah, a reason to be sad-faced is when relationships are strained or relationships are not going well. Chapter 2 shows us the mind of Christ and how he submitted. Beautiful, uh, beautiful formula to maintain joy by a submissive mind. Chapter 3 was the most recent one. And that is the spiritual mind. And the, the joy killer in chapter 3 is things. What things were gained to me, I count, but lost, Paul said. I forget those things which are behind and I reach for. If you remember the outline, I count, I press, and I look. Or what's my vision? 
many mind earthly things, Paul told them in chapter 3, with tears running down his face, as he noted. So chapter 4 is just a secure mind, a, a mind that's fixed, a mind that's stayed, a mind that's solid. And that will overcome worry, which is probably the biggest joy killer. It'd be very interesting now to take a little poll and ask you this morning, which is your biggest joy killer? Are you a worry wart? Are you one of those persons that, hey, someone very close to me says it like this. He says, oh, worst thing that happens, we'd all die. And if I'm ever in a traumatic situation, I want that person and a few other person right by my side. It's even keel. Are you, are you that kind of person? Are you the frantic, friend, just anxious? This is a challenge for me. I will be real honest. I've had too many sleepless nights that can be labeled worry. I know there's a balance in all of this. When Paul says, be careful for nothing, he's not meaning being, be careless. I just thought of a, a scenario I heard where there was a husband that was just pacing the floor because he didn't have the money he promised to pay his neighbor Sam. And it wasn't because of carelessness. Hardship set in, he was pacing the floor. And his wife finally said, okay, this is enough. Just go to bed and sleep. And she gets up, she opens the window and she yells out to the neighbor, she said, Sam, Sam, Sam. She finally, he finally, what? My husband don't have the money. And then he closed, she closed the window and told her husband, now let him pace the floor and you go to sleep. <laughs> Balance. Seven points. Don't be defeated. Stand fast. Don't be divided. Be of the same mind. Don't be discouraged. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't be defensive. Be gentle to all. Those are the don'ts. And then we're going to finish with three rights. Right praying, right thinking, right living. They will be brief points. Number one, don't be defeated is the first point we want to look at. That comes from verse 1, Philippians 4, verse 1. And the first thing is uh, I want to note is, that, is the call to stand fast. I believe there's a temptation in every one of us to give up. Uh, with me? Is there a place in your life where you say, I feel like giving up? And there are times where we need the message, stand fast. I personally think there is a time to hold your ground and not try to take ground. And I believe in being taking ground and being on the advance. But ever, sometimes in life, I'll be honest with you, the best thing you can do is just stand fast, dig in, and try your best not to lose ground. It seems that was the case here. Stand fast. The temptation to give up, to relax, is always there. Even Jesus in the garden, I believe he was tempted to give up. And he was in agony. Being, uh, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and he said, he said this to his disciples after he found them asleep. He said, rise and pray, lest you fall into temptation. So don't be defeated. Stand fast. 
I want us to notice in this, in this first verse the terms of endearment. I don't know about you, but that means something to me. I, I know somebody, somebody once told me, it's so in your spirit, so much in your spirit. You, know, you, can, you, you can do things and say things the wrong way, but your spirit is so important. And I just really appreciate dear brother Paul. He had something to address that was going to be hard. Now, if, if I'm glad I don't know of two people that are really upset with each other and they're fighting, but it'd be pretty hard to call out two names publicly. That's what Paul did. But he, he did it so gentle. He said, my dearly beloved, my longed for. And that kind of echoes what he said in, in chapter 1 where he says, I have you in my heart. I long after you. You'll find that in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. So I, it, that's, that is, a, is noteworthy to see the terms of endearment. First point, don't be defeated. Stand fast. That was, was his message as he addressed this uh, secure mind. So don't be divided is, the, is, is verses 2 and 3. Now, the, the way you avoid division is just think alike. Do you know that every time there's a dis, that every single time there is a uh, division, say it like that, it is because two people are not thinking with the mind of Christ. It doesn't mean everybody wears uh, blue shirts this morning, all the same mind. There can be so much diversity, but unity. And when the things that are divisive are, are, bring, are, are at the forefront, it is always because of a, a mindset. So the, the, the plea to these two women was just think alike. Be of the same mind. And it's the mind of Christ, the submissive mind. Be of the same mind is the plea. Now I'd like to give you three pictures. And these all bug me. I'll put them all up. A motion picture out of sync. Well, let me do them in order. Motion picture. Did you ever see a little video clip where the guy's talking and the words don't match his mouth? <laughs> Annoying, right? Maybe you didn't see that. Great. I did. That's, I can hardly watch that. It messes with you. Did you ever see a, a, some kind of a formation, a soldier out of step? Uh, maybe a more accurate, uh, maybe one that hits a little closer home is, I think we did it here at church one time. I forget when. But youth are good, good at this one. We sing, bind us together. And the, we do these motions that I can't get be honest with you. And the youth just get it. And they're in sync. They're in motion. Bind us together. And it's beautiful. I love to see it. But you have a couple old folks that are just totally out of sync. They might as well just give up. Right? I'm one of them. It's, it's annoying. Do you ever hear a music group or any group of people and one person is just way off tune and some of you are thinking, yeah, it's you. These three scenarios are just pictures of what it looks like in the kingdom when there's division. I heard a speaker say, 
it is hard to find four-part harmony. You can hardly hear it anywhere in the world. And this person linked it to the individualistic society. He said it's because everybody wants to sing their solo and they want to sing their melody. They, they're not interested in harmony. And I'm not sure if that's merited. I do know there's an individualistic society. I think there's bigger reasons for it. But uh, the, the, the point is we must harmonize. We must be in sync. We must our words, what you hear, must match the mouth. I'd rather watch a video clip of a guy speaking and his words aren't matching as much as it bugs me than to hear somebody say one thing and live another thing. Don't be divided is the, is, is the plea. Now, nobody knows really what was going on here between uh, Yodius and Syntyche or Syntyche. But Paul publicly called him out. And I guess the only thing I just want to note is that the, the appeal was have the same mind and the appeal was for the church to help. Or maybe there's different ideas of who was in verse 3, I entreat thee also to get involved, to help these, help these women, whether it's a church or whether it's one person, whether it's the man, Epaphroditus, who brought, took the letter back, we don't know. But there was an appeal to, to help. And I guess I'd like to just say two things. Maybe two lessons. Number one, sometimes people need to help. And I'd like every one of us sitting here this morning to realize that there, will, there probably was a day, or is a day, or will be a day, that you'll need some help. And I'd like to realize the second thing. There's probably was a day, or is a day, or will be a day, that you'll be called to help. And it's, a, it's all good. It's beautiful. It's, 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 you, you see this coming through the secure mind. Don't be divided. The second lesson that I pull from that is just the, a, a woman's role in church. And I'll just make this side note. I want to say right up front, and I know we live in a very interesting era with great movements. I just can hardly believe what has changed in one decade. I can hardly believe it. In so, so many things of our culture and society. One of those is the, magna, is the, the role of, uh, of, of women. And I want to say right up front, that women have an extreme place of value and significance in kingdom work. The Bible literally explodes with examples of godly women that were mightily used of God. And I just want to bless the women at Myerstown Mennonite Church here this morning. You have an extreme uh, place of value in the kingdom work. Don't ever, ever think otherwise. And I just, I bless God for godly women. Some people will take this verse and trump some other clear, com clear commands. I think it's very safe to look at this verse and bless women in their ministries. But I've heard this verse used to to explain away other clear guidelines on what the role of women is not. 
to teach or usurp the authority over man. Uh, women are, are, are clearly called to teach younger women to love their husbands, to love children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be keepers at home. I just want to bless the women in their ministry and their role, a valuable role in the kingdom work. I know that's a subject of its own, but since we're here, uh, don't be divided is the point. The enemy thrives on division. There is two verses, mark them, that cause divisions. And that's a sobering verse. The church is called to mark those that cause divisions. Jesus said, a house divided will not stand. So let's not be divided. Let's be united. And that requires, back to chapter 2, the submissive mind. Don't be discouraged. This point is going to be very brief. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm going to suggest that the spirits were down. You know how it is? Uh, there are times in life where your spirits are down. And I'm going to guess that Epaphroditus brought a report that Paul, the church's spirit is down. Here's what's going on. Here's some things that are happening. And therefore, the theme was rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. So the, the point from, chapter, from verse 4 is don't be discouraged. Rejoice in the Lord. Very likely there was outside pressure from the enemies of the cross referenced in chapter 3. And very likely there was pressure created from within in uh, <clears throat> the subject that we just addressed. And believe me, these pressures that you will face, that I, that I will face, and we all have faced, declare all-out war on joy. And we got to stand fast and hold ground. The key in this verse is, what do you think? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I always thought it's rejoice. Or maybe it's, Always, I, I think always is a very uh, focal point of the verse. If in good times, bad times, whatever, just rejoice in the Lord. And in the Lord is another uh, phrase that merits attention. We talked about joy and happiness before, and I think I'm just going to go on to the, ne to the next point. We do know that ultimate happiness or, or uh, joy is only found in the Lord. So the next point is don't be defensive, be gentle. And that may be a little hard to see in, the verse, in verse 5 where it says, let your moderation be known unto all men. If you have a good uh, uh, center column, you'll have the word moderation probably uh, referenced as gentle or gentleness. So it is the call here. So he just addressed something. And he told the people to rejoice, don't be discouraged. And then he said, let your moderation or your gentleness be known unto all men. Be, in other words, be gentle and be forbearing. That's going to be a key to joy. That's going to be a key to the secure mind. So be gentle and forbearing to all. That's the, that's the point. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, we were gentle among you. Sometimes I, I would have loved to meet Apostle Paul. Sometimes I read him and I thought, whoa, you have, you're made of brass. The way he addresses things. And then the next time he, 
writing to the church, I was gentle. And then the follow-up of that verse says, just like a, a nursing mother cares for her child. That's how gentle I was. He told uh, Timothy, the servant of the Lord must be gentle, apt to teach, patient. So don't be defensive. Be gentle. Be forbearing to all. And he certainly was not encouraging compromise in any way, shape, or form. Apparently, I'm guessing these two women, uh, it wasn't an issue of doctrine. It was something small that they were blowing up that was getting big. And so it's not to encourage compromise or, or of doctrine or maintaining purity, but rather petty differences. And a classic that I just heard in my, in my studies is there was a, you know, we, we enjoy feet, feet, the feet washing ceremony. Why do we do it? We do it. John 13, we read it. Uh, the, the whole point of it, the gist of it is to be a servant, to, to an example of servanthood. Well, I heard that there was a group that were washing feet, and one guy says, this is ridiculous. We aren't washing feet. We're only rinsing feet. And he got a band of of, 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 of feet washers together, and they rose up against the feet rinsers and said, we're going to do it right. We're going to wash feet. And it got so big. And the feet washers left the feet rinsers, and the feet washers, true story, and the feet washers uh, had their feet washing church, and they were proud of their feet washing church. And then one guy in the feet washing church said, I think that it, the Bible actually teaches that those that have more responsibility should do the feet washing. And he proposed that the ministry does all the feet washing. And soon they pulled out, and now you've got the feet rinsers and the feet washers and the feet washers that the leaders do the washing. Get the picture? Be, that's, not what he's, that's not what he's talking about. Be moderate in, or let your moderation be known unto all. Be very gentle, but not compromising. He's not promoting a, a compromising on, on doctrine, but rather on, on petty things that don't really matter. So we're going to get to the meat of it now, and here's the crux of the matter. So that was all the don'ts. Don't be defensive, don't, don't be divisive, don't be defeated, and don't be discouraged. The, the real crux of the matter is be careful for nothing or don't worry. And in the next few verses, we're going to see a problem, and we're going to see a, a, a command, and that is to pray, and then we're going to see a, about a thought process ending with a, with a promise. And like I said, this is very likely one of the biggest joy killers that you're going to face is worry. Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things, Jesus said. That the word careful is, it's, by the way, it's not the way we use it. If I tell my child to, as, he's, as he or she is leaving and it's, the roads are a little iffy and I say, be careful. It's not the time to say, be careful for nothing. Careful is, is better translated worry or anxious. So the point is, don't worry about a thing. 
but take your your uh, cares and, and, and prayers to God. Jesus also said, take no thought of the morrow. Same principle, for the morrow shall take care of itself. And it is so easy to do, brothers. I, I, I don't know. I already, I already asked the question, but we tend to live in a very busy society. We're fast. We, we tend to worry and hurry. And actually, there was a Chinese man that observed Western, uh, Western society, and here's what he said about it. He said, I can define it in three words. Hurry, worry, and bury. And I didn't talk to that man, but I did talk to a man in Thailand that visited the United States of America. And he said, oh, yeah, I can define America in three words. Oh, interesting. And they said they all, they all start with Q. Okay? That's not usually the, word, the letter that I go to if I'm interested in making points that alliterate. He said, sure. Quality? quantity and quickity. And I think he's right. And do you know do you know what that you know what that produces? That produces a mind that is not just at peace. It's a mind that is subject to worry. And I'm speaking to myself. Worry is wrong. Worry is a sin. I wonder when the last time one of us on our knees told God, I'm sorry for worrying. Your word tells me not to take thought of the morrow. That will say, I know we have to balance it with being careful, walking circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Paul's not minimizing or pretending cares of life don't happen but what we do with them when they come. I read an interesting account of the nervous clock. The clock was ticking away. There was a normal good clock, two ticks per second. One day the clock started thinking, how many per day? And worried about the next day. The clock started thinking, 120 ticks a minute, 7,200 7, ticks an hour, 172,800 ticks per year. 1,209,600 ticks per week. That's over 62 million ticks a year. And the clock cried and promptly had a nervous breakdown. The clock went to a psychiatrist and explained the problem. And the psychiatrist said, well, how many ticks do you need to tick at a time? And the clock said, one. The clock psychiatrist said go home and click one or tick one tick at a time and don't think about the next tick until the current tick is ticked and then think about the next tick and the clock went home and fared perfectly fine I know it's a it's a humorous and it's but I think we can learn I think we can learn a lesson from the clock at least I can. Be anxious for nothing. That's, that's the point. So if you're going to overcome this, you're going to do three things. You're going to pray right, you're going to think right, and you're going to do right. That's the theme, or that's the pattern. That's a sequence of the scripture, of the text. So right praying. 
the verse, I underline four, four words. They're key. But everything by prayer, supplications, and thanksgiving make your requests be known unto God. Our language today probably would be like this. Pray about it. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes I think our prayers need a tune-up. My prayers need a tune-up. Prayer often doesn't, does not change the situation. I talked to a man recently. He said, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. Nothing happened. He's wrong. Something did happen. Some people think you should not tag up little mottos on your wall that says prayer changes things. I disagree. Go ahead, hang them up all you want. But the person that says you shouldn't hang them up says it should say prayer changes me. Truth to it. Something happens, brother, sister, something happens when you get on your knees with a burden and you pray to God. Even if you think nothing happened, something happened, guaranteed. Something on a deeper level happens, and I experienced this, when you have a burden and you get on your knees and maybe it's your wife or maybe it's your husband or maybe it's a friend or maybe it's a brother and you lay it before the Lord together, I tell you, something happens. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Said, was it Joseph Scriven? I think it was. Lost his, his bride. Who was, they were trying to get married a couple, a couple days before they married. She, was, she drowned accidentally. And he wrote the, the, the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The four underlying words. Prayer. We often limit it to that. Just a general petition to God. Just, just kind of a, addressing our Father in a reverent way. Great. There's more. Why didn't Paul say just pray about it? Supplication. That has the connotation of a desperate need. Begging, like in the Old Testament, getting a, getting, taking hold of the horns of the altar. Supplication. There's a difference between prayer and supplication. Well, prayer is an umbrella over, over all of them, but desperate need. It has the idea of being under pressure, supplication. And sometimes it's so much easier to pick up the phone and call somebody and talk to a person, and there's a place for it. But supplication... With somebody, now you're talking. Thirdly, thanksgivings. Why did he tuck that in there? And by the way, between the word, between the word, where am I? Supplication and thanksgiving is the word with. So supplications, the God, I need, I got pressure, I need it. 
Oh, thank you, God. Somehow, an attitude of gratitude flows with it. That's what I'm seeing in the scripture. Right praying, which leads to a secure mind. Requests. I'm going to do it. How many of you have a little piece of paper in your Bible with specific, or somewhere, specific prayer requests? It's called, it's your prayer list or your prayer journal. See your hands. Okay. A nice, a pretty large group. Less than hand. Something, I'd like to promote that. Doesn't have, maybe, maybe if you're like some people I know, oh yeah, I got the sticky note right here in my mind. And some people can do that. Some of us need lists. Request, that, that simply means specific items. And I think, I think we do well to tune up our prayer life. Right praying. We're talking about a secure mind. Right thinking. This, one, this one's big. Look at this. I had, to, I had to put this picture up. I'm told that you can find this picture at a few places. Uh, I read one place, it's Alaska. I read also in northern Canada, Ontario. I'm not sure where it is, but it says, choose your ruts carefully, you'll be in them for the next 40 miles. We're talking about thinking. I'm not a computer programmer, never intend to be. But I, I understand the way you program a computer, that's what's gonna come out. And it's a little like the brain. We wire it with the help of the renewed mind, a supernatural work, and then it controls us. So you wire your, your brain. Uh, I, I learned a word in my studies, gigo. I'll bet Demetrius knows what it means. G-I-G-O, it's a computer term. Garbage in, garbage out. I'd like to, I'd like to say godly in, godly out. Simple. When it comes to your thoughts, you can't control a bird flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in, in your hair. So, thinking, your thought... You... I was told the most dis undisciplined area of our lives is our thoughts. You agree or disagree? I, I agree. I don't know what you're thinking. You could be thinking a very evil thought right now while you have a smile on your face. But if all our thoughts would show up on a, on a screen, we would discipline like we never disciplined before. We, we would start quoting scripture. Yeah, we, yes, we would. If you could vote and say, okay, let's have one year of all of our thoughts right up in the screen. Now, that's probably not worth uh, entertaining the thought, but, or is it? The point is, think. These things, it's a command. It's a command on how we think. And, you know, if I'm really struggling with a person in a relationship, you know what I'm tempted to do? I'm tempted to be just in, on purpose, deliberately think bitter thoughts. I'd like to ask how many of you had a fictitious argument in your mind? I did. And I can win them. And it's not right. Because it's a deliberate thought Process. Now that that isn't that, that's it's a little different when you're when you are seriously preparing for something and you're having a flow of thought, but just a fictitious argument to prove yourself right. L lustful thoughts, impure thoughts, 
negative thoughts. I'm, I'm just nothing. I am trash. Wait, God made me in his image. God made you in his image, and he don't make trash. But negative thoughts that, that become a rut. Those ruts can be so deep in negative thoughts. Those ruts can be so deep in immoral thoughts. Those ruts can be so deep in bitter thoughts. Those ruts can be so deep in you name it. Some of us went through the valiant man. And I'm sitting here this morning thinking, why didn't I get my book on the, uh, how a lot of time was, was, was spent on, on retraining the brain. You see something that's wrong, the term bounce your eyes. It's, it's all in rewiring and retraining your brain. This would merit a whole message. True, here's the filter. Here's your grid work that somehow you have to incorporate in your disciplining your thinking. True, is it really true? Is it according to God's standards? And here, that's where the fictitious arguments probably go right out. The scenarios, the assumptions that never happened. Sometimes it's amazing what I can assume or what you can assume. If it's not true, dismiss it. On purpose, deliberately. It's a choice that everyone makes. Honest. Is it, is it honest? We could, you know, each one of these would merit a message. Honest thinking. Just honest. Honesty. Just. Is it right? Is it fair? Is it accurate? Pure? Is there any kind of contamination in it? Is it lovely? In other words, is it... Uh, Beautiful or good report means worth talking about. You ever hear somebody say, now that's what I'm talking about. That, that's a good report. That's something, it's the opposite of, of gossip. Virtue means moral excellence, motivating you to do better. Praise, that means deserving commendation, good behavior, beautiful sunset, uh, good Sunday school lesson. That's, that's the filter. And I know that was too quick. But somehow, my brother, my sister, I have to, you have to filter your thoughts. And it's possible. You can do it. I can do it. And the last one is right living. And the verse is, those things which you have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And the four words that I just want to uh, uh, highlight is, Learn, receive, heard, and seen. Those are choices. Are you learning? Are you receiving? Are you hearing? Are you seeing? The Philippians had to learn from Paul. They had to receive it from Paul. They could have, they could have went like this. I hear it, but I don't. They learned it, they received it, they heard it, and they watched him. And Paul says, so there it is. You saw me, you heard me, you learned, thank God, and you even received. Now just do it. It sounds so simple. Right living. And the peace of God will be with you. The peace that passes all understanding will be with you.
And if I have wrong thinking equals the wrong, equals the wrong living, there's no peace, no guard at the door, and no presence. So I just want to restate the points. Don't be defeated. Don't be divided. Don't be discouraged. Don't be defensive. Pray right. Think right. Do or live right. And you will, my brother, have a secure mind. Otherwise, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There was a Jewish psychiatrist that spent three awful years in a Nazi prison camp. His name was Viktor Frankl. He lived every hour with a realization that he might be one of the next persons exterminated that day. Many died from worrying about their death. Many around him actually died by worrying about the way they would die. Frankl chose not to do that. He developed a positive attitude that allowed him to peer through the broken slats of the wall of his cold hut and enjoy a pleasure in a sunset. He developed a sense of humor that he could laugh in the midst of pain. He found meaning in suffering and he tried to help others find that meaning. He wrote a book uh, entitled The Search for Meaning and it's on my to-do to read list, thanks to Andrew. I came across a quote. Here's what he said. Everything that can be taken from man but one. The last thing that can be taken from a human is the freedom to choose your attitude in any given set of circumstance. To in other words, to choose your way. There were always choices to make. Every day, every hour offered the opportunity to make a decision. Fundamentally, every man can under any situation or circumstance, decide what shall become of him, mentally and spiritually. That's a loaded quote, but I've never lived in a Nazi a prison camp. Hope I never do. One more as I close. The, in the early days, pioneer days of aviation, there was a pilot that was making his flight around the world. He was two hours from his last destination. So he's ready to touch down. Last destination, flight around the world. Big stuff. Two hours away from the landing strip, he heard a noise. And the noise, he listened, he listened, he listened, and he finally diagnosed the noise. A rat! A rat was gnawing at something. And the more he thought about it, the more worried he got. A rat worry, uh, you know, a rat gnawing at what could be some very important wires that are needed for touchdown. And Alex, what would you do? <laughs> he did. He thought, ah, a rat's a rodent. A rodent lives on the ground. A rodent lives under the ground. A rodent can't take the heights. So he got altitude and more altitude and more altitude and he gained up to about 20,000 feet and the rat got quiet and the rat died because rodents were not made, they cannot made, they, I mean they cannot survive in those, uh, atmos in those altitudes. So two hours later he had a safe landing and I'd like to assure us as we close, worry and wrong thoughts are rodents. They cannot survive 
in the secret place of the Most High. They cannot breathe the atmosphere of prayer and the Word. So, my advice, soar high, my brother. Soar high and worry will die. So let's face 2020 with a secure mind. You know, as I, as I was studying, all these news prompts come up on my phone. America, Iran, everybody evacuate, and, and all the things that could happen, and all the, totally out of my control. Worst thing that could happen, we could all die and go to heaven. Let's not worry. Let's have a secure mind. And the last message will be on contentment. Let's all stand for a closing prayer. Loving Father, thank you for just the way you work in our hearts and the way you shed light on our thoughts and our minds. And I know it is your will that we would have a, a fixed mind, a mind that is stayed on you, and you promise us perfect peace. Father, I know that you promise to walk through it with us, even through the valley of the shadow of death. Every chain that could come our way, every prison camp that we could ever face. And somehow, Father, help us to simply trust you and be joyful and rejoice in you always. And Father, if there's one of us here that is really struggling with our thoughts, God, just show us the avenue of prayer. Show us afresh the avenue of prayer with somebody, right praying, right thinking, and right living. Thank you for that formula. Bless us as we depart and make us a blessing to others. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus.